It's about that time. It's only been 17 months. <laughs> and uh, we're going to try to get a little different perspective today as we wrap the whole package up. We've asked Brother Sam if he would share with the word with us today. So, Brother Sam, come and share for us today. I guess you could say I'm the cleanup man. <laughs> I'll get you the room. <laughs> it has been a while. But I do ask you to be pleased, be a little patient about it. I'm going to try something I normally don't do. I'm going to try to teach. Instead of preach. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, creator of heaven and earth, can we even begin to comprehend that? Lord Jesus, the God that hung on a cross, that died and raised again to live forevermore, the King of Kings, Holy Spirit, the, the God that, that, that covered the earth, can we even comprehend that? Father, I ask that you open our hearts today and our minds. That, Father, that we choose to receive what you have chosen to be taught. <clears throat> Father, I love you. In the name of Jesus. Amen. I want you to know something. That today I stand here, I feel really privileged to be here. I feel privileged to teach in front of you. I feel pri privileged that you would sit and listen. I noticed nobody got up and run out. I'm kind of glad for that. Thank you for that. I feel privileged. You need to understand that. I feel privileged for a reason. Because today I stand in front of saints. Saints. That's what you are. The Bible says you are saints. Saints simply means any true Christian is being redeemed and consecrated by God. You are saints. I want you to know that me and Paul feel a lot alike. Because he says in Ephesians 3.8, To me the very least of all saints. This grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ. I wish I could tell you the love I feel for you, the respect I have for you, the desire that I have in my heart to feed you the Word of God for a purpose, so that you may grow, <coughs> that we may grow as a body in Christ. Notice I said we. Because today, that's what we're going to talk about. Growing. Ben, would you put up Galatians 5, 22, 25? I don't imagine we really need it. I imagine that by now it's pretty well, you know, I mean, we've had it, what, two weeks now. So let's go to it. It says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. Gentleness, self-control against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passion and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. I want us to just take a quick notice of verse 25. If you look at it with me, it says, If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. It's leaving us to... Do something. Not watching, not setting, not expecting, but doing. Walking is an action. We need to notice that this is fruit of the Spirit. This is not fruits of the Spirit. These things that are listed are things that should be found in our fruit of the Spirit. Just the same as vitamins are found in an apple or in an orange or a banana. I want to explain to you first that I want to explain my, my theology on the Bible so we can understand that and know that 
I am not preaching works. Okay? I believe in Ephesians 2, 8, 9 that I was saved by grace through Christ. That I did not work, I did not earn it, I did not buy it, I cannot get it unless it's been given to me. There's nothing I can do to receive it. I can't become good enough to where God says, oh, wow, look at Sam. He is so good, I'm going to save him. That will never happen. When God got a hold of me, he pulled me out of probably the deepest ditch that most people have ever been in. And he pulled hard. But I also want you to know that I do believe this with all my heart. That I think with that salvation, with that free gift, came responsibility. The gift was free. The responsibility was not. And let me just use this to you as an example. If I give you a car, you didn't pay for it, you didn't earn it, I just gave it to you. It's brand new, it's free. It's got a gas card in it that will never run out. It's got an insurance card in it that will never be invalid. It's got a, a little credit card in the glove box for you to go and get it fixed whenever you need to. And you need to get an oil change, you just get your oil change. You still have responsibilities, even though the gift was free. And even though everything that could be wrong with the car is covered. But guess what? If you run out of gas, it's not the car's fault. If the engine blows up because you didn't have the oil changed, it's not the car's fault. But guess what? It also isn't the givers. It's only the receivers. So we need to understand that we have a responsibility. Now back to the fruit. Because see, we are responsible for this fruit. It is not free. It is not included in our salvation. It is fruit of the Spirit. The Spirit comes free as our salvation. In Corinthians 1, 22 and 22, 1, 21 and 1 and 22 it reads, Now he who established us with you in Christ and anointed us in God, who also sealed us and gave us the Spirit in our hearts as a pledge. Gave us. Ephesians 4.30 says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. This fruit of the Spirit has nothing to do with our salvation. It has to do with our productivity. We just read, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Grieve meaning the, the wound. To make sorrow, to suffer, to hurt. Do you realize we can actually cause pain to the Holy Spirit? We can actually damage the fruit that we are supposed to produce. First Thessalonians 5.19 says, Do not quench the Spirit. Quench. This is, a, this is a mean word. Especially when you put it next to the Holy Spirit. To extinguish. To overwhelm. To make an end of. To quench as a flame. Or as a candle. I don't know about you and I don't know what that makes you feel. But that to me petrifies me. It scares me. That I can actually do these things to the Holy Spirit. Now we just sung about how glorious it would be the day God come back. Oh, what a glorious day. I want to ask you a question. You're now standing on the right hand of God. You're going to enter heaven. You've made it. Judgment day has arrived and you know that you have entered into heaven. And God looks at you and says this. What did you do with the gift I gave you? Scary thought, ain't it? 
scary thought. What did you do with what I gave you? Scary. It petrifies me. Because, see, I don't want to stand there in front of God and say, oh, nothing. I didn't do nothing. Or what I produced wasn't worthy. It was useless. It wasn't any good. I don't want to stand there in front of God come that day and him ask me, what have you done with what I gave you? I don't know about you, but that scares me. In fact, to be honest with you, it petrifies me because I know that day is coming. That day could be today. I might not have another day to fix what I've done to the Spirit. The Spirit is a whole lot like an apple. You know, an apple has nutrients. It has iron, vitamin C, vitamin B12, vitamin B6, and on and on. The fruit of the Spirit has love, joy, peace, and on and on. A farmer is responsible for the productivity of the apple tree and the fruit that's on it. The saint, the Christian, is responsible for the production of the fruit of the Spirit, of the tree and the fruit. We are also responsible for something else. The soil the tree is planted in. The Holy Spirit is planted in our hearts. We are responsible for the seed. We are responsible for the soil. We are responsible for the tree. We are responsible for the fruit. You see, an apple is only as good as the soil. The apple gets fed by the tree, but the tree gets fed by the soil. Without proper soil, you have bad fruit. Just that simple. Linda once told me, she said, you make some of the sweetest tomatoes I've ever tasted. She said, man, are they good. So was the soil. In fact, you could go out there to that garden and you could put the soil in your mouth and eat it and it was actually sweet tasting. And it produced a sweet fruit. Now here's the odd part. What you find in the fruit is what you will find in the soil. If your soil isn't good, then your fruit will not be good. It will be inadequate. It has no choice. The fruit has no choice. It's only fed by what we put in the soil. And we are then why do we feed you might want to put you you might you might want to join Wanda there and put your feet up on the chair somewhere so I don't step too hard on your toes because I want to know then why do we feed this inadequate fruit to our children why do we feed it to our grandchildren why do we feed it to our family? If you went to the store and the sign said, rotten apples for sale, would you buy them and take them home? Or would you say, no, I don't want my family to have anything to do with that? Then why do we feel comfortable feeding other people spoiled fruit? I want you to understand that the fruit you feed others is also the fruit you eat. That's simple. One of the things about a farm or, or a tree, the great thing about it is it feeds itself. You know, when an apple gets old and it rots and it falls off of that tree, it hits the ground and it goes back into the soil. 
So what was in that apple is now back in the soil. The leaves that come off that tree and land on the ground will rot and go back into the soil. The, the, the amazing thing about fruit is it feeds itself. The amazing thing about the keeper is he can always eat of the fruit. His own fruit. And guess what? If our fruit is inadequate, so are we. We have no choice. If you're lacking vitamin C, you're going to get sick. If you're lacking vitamin B12, you're going to get weak. There is no choice. It's automatic. It comes with the fruit. Let me tell you a story about, I don't know how many of you have been, been to Palak at the uh, Putman County Courthouse. There is a big, I mean just huge oak tree out there. And one year, some guy got the idea he would take some poison and pour around the tree because he wanted to get even with the courthouse and the county. So he was going to kill it. And the tree started dying. So they called a man in and he said this is the only way to solve the problem. He said, we got to start digging here. Not scraping. Not just getting the top part of the soil. No, we, we got to dig. And we got to get down to the root. And we got to clean that root off. And then we got to bring in fresh soil. And then we're going to move over here. And we're going to do the same. And we're going to do the same all the way around the tree. Because see, if we leave any poison in the soil, it's going to go into the tree. Our lives are no different. Our lives are no different. In order to produce a healthy tree, we have, we have, we have no choice. We have to have good soil. Or we cannot produce good fruit. It's impossible. Lazy people will never, will never produce adequate fruit. They will never produce adequate fruit to feed themselves or to feed others. Lazy will never get the job done. They will only have fruit that feeds their desires, their wants, their imaginations, their entertainment. You see, the first thing we need to do to make healthy soil is to get us and the world out and God and Jesus in. Now, growing good fruit requires three steps. First, we have to check out the fruit and see what is wrong and what is right. There's two ways to look. Don't just look at the bad. What, what, what I, do I got vitamin B12? Yeah. Do I got vitamin C? No. And then we need to check out the tree and look for any damage that may need just a little extra attention. Have I quenched the spirit? And then we need to analyze the soil for nutrients. But the repair of any problems, whether it's in the fruit or whether it's in the tree, will have to come from work in the soil. Now, if you're afraid of getting your feelings hurt, I'm sorry. I've redone this lesson three times. I've done it Thursday. And after I read it, I said, no, that is just too hard. I cannot go in there like that bowl in a china. That, that, they will not take this. 
I rewrite it. And I rewrote it again, and I read it, and I looked at it, and I said, I said, no, they will not like this. And I wrote it again yesterday, and then I got up at 5 o'clock this morning, and I started on it again. There is no polite way to tell us that we need to do something. I'm sorry. So I hope I really don't, I hope I don't hurt your feelings. But let's go to Luke 13, 6, 9, because I want you to see what Jesus said about a tree that doesn't produce fruit. It reads, Luke 13, 6, And he began telling this parable, a man had a fig tree which had been planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it and did not find any. And he said to the vine keeper, Behold, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree without finding any. All them next words are a killer, ain't they? <laughs> Cut it down. Why does it even use up the ground? Now, if you want that in country terms, take it out because it's totally useless. And he answered and said to him, Let it alone, sir, for this year or two, until I dig around it and fertilize it. In other words, until I get what's poisonous thing out of the ground, until I get the, the soil that ain't any good, until I get the soil that's not productive, until I get the soil that's spoiled. Let me, let me get that soil out and I'll put in new soil. And if it bears fruit next year, fine. But if not, cut it down. Them are hard words. We don't like that. Have you ever seen somebody that, that sits in church all their life and never does nothing? There's a reason. Their tree has been cut down. Not their salvation. Nobody's talking about they're going to hell. I'm talking about they just become totally unproductive. They are now useless. The things I have learned in life, not all truths are nice. Not all truth is polite. And not all truth feels good. But one thing it does not do it does not change. It is the truth. Jesus hung on a cross. Truth. Nice. Was nothing nice about it. The first thing I do, and I mean the first thing we need to get out of our lives, and please understand this, is our feelings. Our feelings. Let me help you with this. Just because we feel it is right does not make it right. Just because it makes us feel good does not make it good. Just because we felt it in our hearts does not make it godly. Our hearts, our feelings should never override the word of God. Amen. Never. Never. When God said do not commit adultery, He did not say unless it makes you feel good. He did not say unless you have feelings you can't control. No, He said man's heart is continually evil. I said do not commit adultery. So now I've sort of made a list. And I, I need you to know that this is my list. This is things that I had to get out of my life and things I'm still working on. I've got a shovel in my hand. I'm digging. I'm working. And you know I think God's honoring. He's not looking for the perfect fruit. 
He's looking at the man trying to work the tree to get the fruit. So let's do a quick soil check. How about this one? The first one that came to me was unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. Unforgiven feelings. Feelings. Forgiveness is a command. Is a command. It is not about feelings. Peter. Bless Peter's heart. I love Peter. Anybody else like Peter? Peter. Yeah. Me, me, me and Peter, I mean to tell you, we connected at the hip. You know? So Peter came and said to the Lord, How often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Oh, can't you see Peter? I got this right, don't I? I ain't got nothing else right, but I got this one right. Seven times, right, Lord? I'm good. If he, if he messes up eight, I'm going to slap him. But I'll, I'll be good for seven, right? Oh. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 77 times. Can you see the proud, the puffed up, going out of Peter? Seventy times seven? He probably said, thought this, Lord, there's no way anybody can sin that much in one day against me. And he's right. There is no reason, none, whatsoever, whatever excuse you've got does not matter that you do not forgive somebody. Why? Because it's not about your hurt little feelings. It's about God's commandment. It's that simple. It's not about your feelings. God said you will forgive or I will not forgive you. That's a hard statement. You know, we like to think that Jesus walked around and just healed people and loved people and just done good things and done good deeds. And man, what do you want? What can I do for you today? But you know, that's not Jesus. We need to start reading our Bibles. Because Jesus was tough. He was even tough on his disciples. You know, he didn't tell Peter, yeah, Peter, you're right. You've got the right idea. That's great, Peter. Just, just improve it a little bit and forgive a couple more times. It'll all be all right, Peter. Don't worry about it. No, he didn't say anything. Peter, you, you're completely wrong. You ain't even on first base yet. Seven times 70. Whew. That's a lot. But God said, you will forgive. Like I have forgiven you. And I guarantee you, you've got a lot more than 490 times against God. And if you think you haven't, you need to back up and start counting again because you've got the numbers wrong. How about laziness? How about laziness? The pastor asked this morning, and we made a new commitment to God. You know, sometimes I just get lazy. I just get lazy. The, the office is there. The computer's there. The Bibles are there. Boy, I'm just tired. Like he wasn't tired when he was hung on the cross. Otherwise, I'm just tired. And I just don't do what God tells me I'm supposed to do. And the answer is really, really simple because then I say, God, why? What, what, why don't I do what you tell me to do? Why do I desire or decide to just sit here and do nothing? He said, because you, you wanted to. No other reason. You wanted to. Matthew 25, 26 reads this way. But his master answered and said to him, You wicked, lazy slave. You knew I reap where I do not sow and gather where I scatter no seed. 
Are you ready? Yeah, I seen that now, huh? Stephen went like this back there. He knows it. <laughs> Throw out the worthless slave into the outer darkness in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now either Jesus commands us to work or he understands our laziness. One is our feelings and one is the word of God. One is the truth and one is a lie. That's simple. And I'll let you decide which one. Hate or love. How about if we, if we, if we dig around that root and get out the hate? I don't hate. You better look one more time at yourself. This is something I had to take really deep. This was like the, the, the tap root going down, you know? Luke 6, 27 says this, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. <clears throat> Do you know that love there? Do you know? I, I had to look it up because I really was hoping it was phileo. You know why I could just say, you know, I love you, we're good friends, I could go on. But you know, nowhere in the Bible will you find that enemy and phileo go together. It's always agape. It's always that sacrificial love. It's always that giving something you don't want to give to somebody you don't want to give it to. Oh man, come on Lord. And he's not done. He's not done. Do good to those who hate you. Oh, come on. You know that guy don't care nothing about me. I know. Do good to him. Jesus was tough. Jesus was tough. Now either God will understand your hate or he commands you to love. One is your feelings. One is a lie. One is the truth. I wonder which one it is. But make no mistake, make no mistake and understand this, both can feed the Spirit. And both will decide what is in your fruit. That's simple. One is self-centeredness or sacrifice. One says, I want what I want. One says, I want what they want. One says, I don't have time. One says, I will make time. One cries, me, 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 me. And one cries and prays for the brother or sister that their pain, welfare, hurt, heartache, and begs God's blessing to pour out on them. While one calls out for God, bless me. Well, let me, let me tell you what I need today. Lord, I got a list that I, I need you to fill out. Can you, can you meet those needs? Because this is what I need. And one prays for his enemy. And begs God. Listen close. To forgive his enemy. As God forgave you when you were an enemy. Matthew 5, 20 says this, For I say to you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, <clears throat> you will not. Do you understand that? You will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Only one can feed the fruit 
and one will poison the fruit. But either way, it will be what you eat. It will be what you feed to other people. It will be what you feed to your family. So let's just dig a little deeper around the spirit and look at the root damage a little more and examine the soil. How about this? And now this is me. Well, it was to me until the NFL done what they done. I don't, I don't watch football no more. But you know, it was funny. I could leave here Sunday afternoon and I could go home and watch three football games. Eat dinner. And I didn't have 15 minutes to read my Bible. What a shame. What a disgrace. What a dishonor to God. I could stay on Facebook for days. And you know what? I really felt good about it because I only read the religious stuff that was on there. <laughs> I read what Pastor Mark put on there and what Steve put on there and what this pastor, oh man, I, was, I thought I was doing good. And God said, you ain't got 15 minutes for me? You ain't got 15 minutes for me? I hung on a cross for you. You ain't got 15 minutes for me? I died for you. You ain't got 15 minutes for me? But you got eyes for that box that sits in front of you making pictures? It was funny how I can stay up and, and watch the filth all night long. From violence to adultery. And I can even let my children watch it. You know that NCIS? That there's always somebody killing somebody. That cop show, there's always somebody killing somebody. That cowboy movie, there's always somebody killing somebody. Have you seen the new Chicago PD yet? Oh, it's hilarious. No, it's not. It's filthy. I don't think there's a cop yet in, 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 in the show that hasn't slept with every cop in the show. With very little left to the imagination. And I have to wonder how many parents allow their 7, 8, 9, and 10 year olds to sit there and watch it and absorb it. How about a prayer time? How we doing? Oh, I pray. What do you mean prayer time? Man, I get in my car on the way to work. I got the radio jamming. And every time I hit a stoplight, I say, oh, Lord, I need this. Oh, Lord, I need this. Lord, could you do this? Lord, I need my favorite parking spot. Lord, I need you to fix Johnny because Johnny won't leave me alone. Lord, can you do something with Sam? He's preaching at me. I don't need to hear that either. Lord, help me, Lord. Do something. Oh, the red light screen. Mm. But my favorite music's playing. It's Christian. Or is it? You really don't know. There's a reason why you don't know. You don't know your Bible. You don't know your Bible because you never read it. You made that choice. You made that decision. Do you make prayer time a priority? Or is it just a convenience? Is it just cake or is it bread? And by the way, if it's cake, I want vanilla icing, I want chocolate, and I want the cake, I want the icing thick. I mean, if I'm going to have my way, have my way, right? Huh? I want my way. I don't want the bread and the man of God's trying to feed me. I'll be like the Israelites. I am tired of this bread. How's your prayer life? Can you watch TV all night, but you can't get up 15 minutes before you go to work to get God on your knees? How's your prayer life? You can give God directions all day long, but 
You can't give me 15 minutes at night on your knees. You can't praise him. You can't honor him. You can't glorify him. There's a reason for that. Because your conscience tells you your prayer life ain't what it's supposed to be. So you don't want to go and face God. Because what is your, what are you going to do when he tells you your prayer life ain't what it's supposed to be? See, I never want to ask God what he wants me to do. You know why? He might give me something to do. And I wouldn't want to do it. He gave me this sermon and I didn't want to preach it. I said, let me write it again, Lord. Let me write it again, Lord. Lord, it ain't right, let me write it again. No matter how I wrote it, it came out the same. Amen. See, most of us never want to ask God, what, what do you want me to do for you today, Lord? Because we're afraid that he'll give us something to do. We're scared. Because wonder if he says, go to Hitchcock's, buy you a turkey, take it through the cashier line, pay for it, and then give it to the cashier and tell her to give it out to somebody. Oh, and while you're there and you give her the turkey, make sure you give her the word of God. But, Lord, there might be people behind me. I didn't ask you what your problem was. I told you, you asked me what to do, and I've told you what I need you to do today. Are you a soldier? Or do you make up excuses? Praying can be, can be, what can you say? Sometimes surprising. When you pray to God and you talk to God and then you shut up long enough to listen to God. That's the scary part. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 9, pray then in this way. Jesus has given us instructions on how he wants us to pray. Not the words to say. He's giving us an example. And he said, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Does your prayer honor God? Does it praise God? How about working for the body of Christ? You said you come to church on Sunday morning. God should be happy with that, right? I mean, it's amazing. You came to church, you sit here for an hour, you listen to me, you listen to the songs, you tolerated all of it. God ought to feel blessed. We hear this all the time. People come up front, and I know Steve asked you this because he asked me that. Did God, God call you to work in this church? Yes. Then why aren't you working in this church? Because one of two things, and listen closely, because I love you, but one of two things. Either you lied about God calling you or you're defying a direct commandment from God to work in the church. Only one of the two. It can't be both. It's amazing to me. Now I'm going to tell you a story in case you think I was shaking my fingers at people. I was in this church for about two years and I left. God called me to work in this church and I left. And I was sitting up there in, in, in uh, what, Oak Grove, is that, was that the name of it? And I'm sitting there in that pew and 
the guy that's, that, that's teaching is, I just love him. He's awesome. He's, he just, beyond means, I mean, he just memorizes me when he teaches. He's, he's just fantastic. And I love listening to him. And all of a sudden, the Lord said, what are you doing? I said, Lord, I said, I'm listening to this sermon. Lord says, what are you doing? I sent you to Fresh Start to go to work. Why aren't you there? You know, God ain't never very polite. I mean, he didn't say, Sam, now you need to listen to me because, you know, where you're at, you know, I, I really don't want you. Sam, would you mind going back? No, for God didn't say that. And we came back to Fresh Start. Because God didn't ask me. God told me. There's one last thing. How are you are reaching out to others? How are you reaching out to others? The others that need you in, in this church. To your neighbors next door. How are you doing? Are you doing your job? Because see, it should be in your fruit. It should be in your soul. How are you doing? Because see, whether you like it or not, it is a commandment from God. It's not a suggestion. It's not an appreciation. It's a commandment from God. Let's read them. Mark 12, 30, 31, Jesus said this, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now someone just thought this. Why did he read the first one when he was talking about the second one? Because it's impossible to do number two till you've done number one. Amen. It's impossible. Now, I don't have them listed here, but we could go into jealousy, envy, gossip. What you got in the ground, your tree. See, your tree is your tree, my tree is my tree. This is my tree. But I would be willing to bet you a lot of my own nasty, dirty soul is in your tree, too. Just the same as a lot of your nasty, dirty soul is around my tree, too. But if you don't work, work. Your tree will never produce the fruit that God meant for it to produce. Because it's not a gift. It's not prayed for. It's worked for. And it's hard. It's not easy. Are you working? Are you just wanting God to hang this delicious fruit on your tree? I do not work to be saved. I work because I am saved. Amen. I work because it is a direct commandment from God. Not a choice. If you ever meet a man that says, God chose, I chose for, to go into the ministry for God. Man, get away from me. Run. It's not a choice. You know, Pastor Marks made a remark in, in one of his sermons that it's, it has really stuck with me hard. Remember, salvation is the starting line, not the finish line. 
See, salvation is the time to pick up the shovel, to pick up the axe, to get the hoe, clean off the roots, throw away the old dirty soil, put on new. It's time to go to work. Hard work. Not easy work. And if you don't have some things, you can't do nothing. You can't read your Bible. If you can't come to church, if you can't reach out to a neighbor, if you can't love, you only have one thing. And understand, I love you. But the only thing you have is rotten fruit. They can feed no one and won't even feed you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Creator of heaven and earth, Lord, I praise you. I honor you right now. Lord, I love you. I only hope that I can love you like you need to be loved or deserve to be loved. Because, Father, I'm a mess. I am a mess. My soul is a mess. My tree is a mess. My fruit is a mess. I am a mess. So how about, could you help this old boy? Would you show me the, 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 the bad soul? Would you show me the bad fruit? Would you show me the scarred tree? Would you help me? Father, I pray for these people. I thank you for these people. I love these people. And Father, I ask you that you would help us build a body of Christ that has the fruit hanging off of it so full that the lost come to pick off the fruit and eat of it. Father, I love you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Feel like we had church this morning? Amen. That was pretty good. That was pretty good. I like that. I do want to share a, uh, a, a few things with you. The first thing I want to tell you is if you feel like Brother Sam stepped upon your toes this morning, doesn't it feel good to have your toes stepped on by somebody who stands up here and confesses how often his own toes get stepped on Amen. by the Lord? He's not up here shaking a finger at us, telling us what we need to change. He's up here talking about what we all need to work on. That includes your pastors, and that includes Brother Sam. And Brother Sam, I love your heart. And I love your heart for God, and I love your heart for this church. So we are, we are very blessed, and we have been, we have been blessed this morning. Uh, we've, we've, we've earned our lunch. So, uh, a few things to share with you really quick. Pastor David is home. I know most of you get the one call. Most of you know that. Pastor David is home and is doing well. Uh, they would continue to appreciate your prayers, though, uh, as he's got a, a long process in front of him. But he is, uh, he is home and doing as well as he could be doing. Miss Gloria is home. She came home yesterday, I believe. So uh, she is doing well. Continue to pray for her, please. Um, and uh, we find out this morning Allison is going to the emergency room. She's got maybe appendicitis or something like that. So uh, she was she was fine and she was making breakfast and they were planning their, their trip up here to church this morning. And uh, she suddenly got very, very ill and had a lot of pain. So uh, keep them in your prayers today, please. And we'll, we'll keep you updated on that as we, as we hear anything. Um, I do want to let everybody know, I kind of want to ask, take a survey, take a poll. The pastor has asked me to do this. I'm not sure why. Maybe we'll find out in a minute if everybody's upset about it. Uh, what would you folks think about taking the 9 o'clock service and starting it at 8.30? We wouldn't call it the 9 o'clock service anymore, obviously. We would call it the 8.30 service. But that would give us... It, it, it probably doesn't affect you guys a whole lot, except it would get you out a little bit earlier to lunch or brunch or a second breakfast or however you, you arrange your meals on a Sunday. 
uh, but it would make it a little bit easier on us as we get ready to jump into the 1030 service if we had just a little bit more time between services. And I, I think the, the reality, as much as we wish we were all back to one service, I believe the reality is that we're going to be at two services for a little bit of time at least. Uh, when we were just looking at doing this for a month when we started, way back, you remember in June when we thought we were getting maybe near the end of something and we were going to do two services for a month or so? Well, here it is January, we're still doing two services. Uh, when it was just a little bit, we could live with that, that time crunch, but we're, we're kind of, now that we're going to be at this for a while, we're just kind of wondering, what would you guys think about starting at 8.30? I wouldn't have a problem. Would you do it? I mean, I wouldn't have a problem, I, I don't show up. You don't even always show up to the, to the 10.30. I'm just saying back there, <laughs> Levi, as long as, as, long as you want to participate in the discussion, you owe me a couple of services here. But you, I only got one question. Okay. What do you want? What, what, what do you and Steve want? What, what, you know, what, we're following. Well, we want to shepherd you guys as best as we can. And if half of the room can't get here at eight thirty, if half of the room can't get here till nine, then we then God wants us to do it at nine. If everybody can get here at 8.30, that would make it easier on us. But pastor in his church ain't about what's easiest on us. If it was, we'd be sitting up at Hardy's right now and, 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 and leave you all to figure this out. Um, but, you know, is 8.30 doable for, is there anybody in the room that 8.30 is just absolutely horrible for? Can I ask you another question? If anybody that's 8.30 is not doable, then can't they come to the 10.30 service? They absolutely can come to the 10.30 service. They still got the two options. So. Right. They do. They do. So, how where'd, where'd the pastor go? So, do you, you want to say, so do you want to say 8.30 next Sunday and call us, talk to us, let us know if you're sitting here right now and you're just too polite to say, man, 830 is just going to wreck my life, let us know. Talk to us. Because we don't want to, we don't want to make getting to church hard for you. But we do want to do as good a job as we can ministering to the 10, to the 1030 crowd and to, and to this crowd. So, but let's, let's say 830. Is that okay? 830 next Sunday. We'll be here. Pastor Steve will be up here preaching. It'll be a good time. It is you next week, isn't it? Oh, it's both of us up here next week. So It, it ain't on fruit, is it? No. Okay. We're done. <laughs> Sam's like, I'm, if, it's, if you guys are still doing fruit of the Spirit, I'm out. I'm, I'll be up at Hardy's. I'm not coming anymore for any more of that. No, we're not. We're, we're not, not going to go back to the beginning of fruit of the Spirit and start again. Although, who would even remember? It was so long ago that we started. We could we could probably try that. Uh, let me tell you a few more things on 8.30 next, next week for sure then. Uh, we've got the new reading plan has been launched. We've got copies on the, the table there in the hallway. Um, we've started it on social media already. Today is the third day of the new year. So we're, we're already deep, deep. We're already into the reading plan. Not as deep as we will be. But we are starting that, and we are focusing on beginnings with our reading plan right now. Right now, we are in Genesis, which is the beginning of all the beginnings. But we are also going to be doing some, some church-wide reading out of the book of Matthew, which is another beginning. So we're going we're gonna to focus on that. If one of the toes that got stepped on this morning was you need to spend more time in your reading, jump into our church-wide reading plan where we have got it all laid out for you, what you need to do each day. And let me tell you, a perk of January, we've got some breaks built in. We started, we had a reading plan on the 1st, and then yesterday was just a break. There wasn't one for yesterday. So second day of the year, we already had a day off. Hard to beat that. So we do have some, some breaks built in to January, which is a great day to catch up or maybe start reading ahead. Our memory verses. Who knows what the memory verse is for January? Anybody got it memorized already? John 13, 34. What's it say? 
Let me paraphrase it for everybody. Love one another. There's more to it than that. There's more to it. But we'll we'll we'll, we'll quiz on it next week. We're just letting you know what it is right now. John thirteen thirty four. Love one another. Uh, Bible study Tuesday morning at nine thirty. Right here, this channel, this location. Be ready to go. Uh, lamb on Wednesday morning. If you can help with lamb on Wednesday morning, please see Brother Tom and talk to Brother Tom. Don't just look at him, but have some conversation with him because he doesn't want to be up at lamb all by himself on Wednesday morning. He needs a little bit of help. Ladies ministry, 10 a.m. Saturday right here. 10 a.m. Saturday right here for the ladies ministry. Did I miss anything? The, the, the faith promise cards are on the table. If you're watching this online, you can't tell, but my wife is waving those at me. The faith promise cards are on the table. If you have not filled one out yet, please get that filled out. That's It's not an obligation to do, but if you would like to, to help us support missions this year for 2021, if you haven't filled one of those out yet, grab one on the table and get that filled out. Offering envelopes are on the table as well. When you're done with them, the offering envelopes and the, the Faith Promise cards, you can just leave those on the table or put them in one of the baskets by one of the exits. Anything else I missed out? Going once, going twice. Sold. Sold. All right. Well, you are dismissed. Go and have a great day and welcome to the 1030 service.